Hello, everyone, and welcome to Knights of the Pages Library. We are a podcast dedicated to reviewing audiobooks. I am Bo Knight. And I am Ryan Knight. And today we are taking a look at Skybreaker, written by Kenneth Oppel and narrated by a whole cast of audio, so it's kind of hard to list them all right now. Um, yeah, this yeah. is a full cast audio unabridged, so it's it's not really like uh, it's not a dramatization per se. It just has different people that voice all the characters. Yeah, for everybody who speaks, it's a different voice. Sure. Hey, and this is the second book after Airborne. I'm not sure what this series is called. Is it called like the Matt Cruz saga? Yes, it is like called. It is the. It is actually just called Matt Cruz. Okay. Which makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird name for a series of books, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been, I've been <laughs> digging the second book in Matt Cruz. What? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. So this book was written in, what's, uh, 2008? Is that what I'm seeing? I think the book came out originally 2006, and then the audio version we listened to came out in 2008. That's what I'm seeing, too. Uh, so Kenneth Oppel, we've covered a few of his books, actually, now. So we've done Airborne and This Dark Endeavor. But he has a whole slew of books available, actually, on Audible. Although it, oh, I was gonna say it doesn't look like you can actually get this Dark Endeavor anymore. But I didn't click on everything. There it is. Yeah, um, he writes mainly like, not like necessarily children's books for people, people like in their like teens, I would say. That's what I would say, too. Yeah, that's a pretty good demographic, I think, that he targets as the... Because uh... a lot of these, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more, but these are like, at least the couple books we've listened to, these are kind of like coming-of-age stories. Really. Yeah, for, for sure, especially these. So, yeah. Um, I'm seeing you can buy it for $45, but that doesn't seem right. That's what I'm seeing, too. Holy cow. Yeah, I'm not sure why it costs so much. Um, I'm assuming because it's a whole slew of people who did it, it costs a lot more to produce. But yeah, that seems kind of steep. Yeah, and it's only 11 hours long. So I, I mean, to me, that's short, but that's kind of a long book. Yeah, I'd say that's yeah, that's a that's a decent amount of time. I don't think it's $45 worth of time. Yeah, that is... That was kind of shocking to me. I like I looked at that and I like, had my mouth open. I was like, "What? That's a lot of that's a lot right. of scratch." <laughs> um, so what did you think in this one about the full cast? Of I don't think it's as good as Airborne, but it's still pretty good. I actually I would agree with that. I don't know that they did quite as well as Airborne. There's a lot less characters in this one. Yes. Um. After a certain point, there's far less characters. I just, I'm not super fond of the guy that does Hal's voice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I and mean, that, I, I thought okay. he did okay. Yeah, I mean, he, I don't think he does a bad job. It's just like he has a lot of talking compared to everyone else. Sure. I mean, I really like the kid who does Matt Cruz's voice. Yeah, he does great. 
Uh, I really like the kid or the gal who does um, what's her face's voice. Kate. Kate. Yeah, I like her. I think she does a good job. Um, I think the best one is actually the lady that does Miss Simpkins. Miss Simpkins. That's what I was gonna say too. I think she's well, the best. It's it's because we don't have freaking Captain Walken in this one. That's no. true. Captain Walken has such a buttery smooth voice. Yeah, and he we'll was get into great. that a little bit more. Sure. Um, but yeah, I actually I would agree with that. That I think the the first book was actually a little bit better as far as the range of the cast is concerned. But I didn't think this one was bad by any means. And I don't know, something was weird with these the audio transitions they would do between like chapters. I had one that was just like one note that played for like a solid 30 seconds. Yeah, no, that's what they were. And I didn't okay, really... Okay, so you heard that too. Okay. Yeah, no, and I didn't really understand what was going on because I, I caught myself doing that too. So in the first one, they would do those audio transitions. But it was always the same thing. It was like that dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That's all it would be. Or it may it might have been like that kind of low tone, like yeah, if the, something the spooky was spooky one. Yeah, but in this one, I caught myself being like, "What are we taking commercial breaks Kinda, in the yeah. middle of this?" Because it would it would play like the tone, and then there would be just like a pause of silence for several or, seconds. Or one of them, it's literally that ending note. They just hold it for like thirty seconds. <laughs> it's so weird. It was weird. I agree. I'm okay. I'm glad that you caught that too, because I thought that was mm-hmm. maybe just like an audio glitch on how I downloaded it. No, no, I definitely heard that stuff too, for sure. Yeah, some weird like inconsistencies. Uh, so yeah, uh, Skybreaker. What would you, what kind of genre is this? I mean, this is probably what would you call this? Like fantasy, sci-fi. Like I said, maybe like a coming of age story. Yeah, and like an adventure. A little bit of a love story, too. Yeah, it's kind of twisted in there. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll get into it a little bit. But yeah, there's there's a little bit of love story thrown in there. Yeah, it's just... Um, it is all right, what do you think? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Super easy uh, to follow. I, um... Steampunk is a is good, so anybody who listened to our review of Airborne would know kind of the setting of this story. This is set in sort of a, an alternative future where instead of I like that, but now I don't think that anymore. Oh really? Yeah, there's so many weird animals. That is true, actually. That's a good point. Because it's not like it's not like a, a situation where like in hard magic where it's just like we took a different path of, of technology. It's like there's totally different things in this environment than there are here. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um Yeah, so what what do you think? Is this one easy to follow? Yeah, it's pretty easy to follow. I mean there are some yeah. convoluted parts for sure, especially towards the end. You really have to be paying attention. I agree, but I think overall this one's pretty easy listening. Um, I mean, I I listened through this one just the one time, and I'd say it's it's pretty easy, like start to finish. There's not a whole lot of you know bouncing around from perspectives and stuff, so it mm-hmm. makes it pretty easy to follow. Yeah, it's, the whole thing is from Matt Cruz's perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, I think 
easy listening. I mean, I think I'd say this one's pretty easy listening. You know, the the cast does a pretty good job and stuff like that. So yeah, other than those weird audio glitches. Oh sure, yeah, that was yeah, and the the bump music stuff is bizarre. Yeah, it's really weird this time. I don't know. Um, so what do you think? What's your uh, what's your recommendation on this one, Bo? I don't like this one as much as Airborne. Okay. But I don't think it's bad. I'll probably end up listening I... to it again. Okay. Um, I would 100% agree with that. I liked Airborne a lot more than I liked this one, actually. Oh, a lot more. Yeah. Um, for the sole fact that, like, Airborne was, like, there was some, there was a lot of mystery and stuff in Airborne with kind of what you were going to encounter. But when those things cropped up in this one, I was kind of like, okay, now we're just like pulling I know, rabbits out of hats. Like, yeah, and it, I, yeah, that part that you're talking about, I was like, oh, seriously? I was like, come on, yeah. A- another animal that nobody's ever seen before, and you were exactly the first to see these things. Exactly. Come on. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you are getting what I'm putting down to because that's that was exactly the point where I was just like, okay, I see where this is going. Like it, I mean, I'm not saying it was bad, but it just, the, uh, like the mystery and the allure of that were gone because that's pretty much what the first book did, you know? So this one, it almost feels like he wrote a whole story and was like, oh shit, but I need to put like a weird animal in there. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like to me. It's like, he was like, oh shit, just jam them in there. It kind of did feel that way. I agree. Plus, I mean, I don't know. We'll get into this here in a minute after we pass the spoiler wall. But I'm just I had a really hard. It's one thing, like if sea monsters are real, but it's pretty hard to miss sky monsters even from the ground. So, yeah. and just saying, there there are a couple like um like mechanical limitations that that make end up making no sense. Sure. But yeah, uh, I think if you liked the first one, and uh, I mean, you enjoyed like Matt's exploits and like you like the way of it being like a full cast audiobook, I think there is probably something for you here. Sure. Something Ryan's a little less lukewarm on this than me, but I think it's it, it's it was it was an enjoyable time. I didn't loathe listening to it. No, no, I just I just definitely enjoyed Airborne a lot more than I enjoyed this, especially going into Airborne blind, like. Because the sort of mysterious part of that book really kind of catches you off guard. You're like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. So then when you come into this book, it almost feels like you you had all the spoilers already. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. (laughs) Um, Speaking of spoilers, the freaking cover kind of spoils a lot, if I'm being honest. Well, it didn't really make sense to me until I finished the book. I mean, it only made sense to me. (sighs) There was a specific point in the book where I remember being like, wait a minute, I know exactly what the cover means. I probably still had a few hours of the book left, too. I didn't even put two and two together until I looked at the cover today. Well, I'm weird like that, so I guess I – but I did. (laughs) It was – yeah, it's a little spoilery. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um. So I mean, yeah, I would I would agree with what you said though. Like, if you're a fan of the first book, which I am, I think this is 
definitely worth listening to and following up on for sure. I will um, say I'm a little lukewarm to listen to the last one. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I'm, we probably will at some point just because now we'd have to finish out the series, but yeah, I, I would agree with that. So yeah, you want to get into the spoilers? Yeah. So we'll go ahead and pass the spoiler wall for anybody. If you're new here, uh, that we're just going to go ahead and discuss the book back and forth, you know, so like we said, we're going to spoil it. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go ahead, go back and listen to this book and then come back here and listen to what we have to say about it. Yeah. So Skybreaker uh, opens up because now Matt Cruz is uh, at the, the Air Academy. Is that what it's called? Airship Academy? Yeah, I think that's just what they call it. Yeah, so now he's a he's a student there, um, and he's on his what is he? He's on the the flotsam, right? Yeah, he's basically doing like an internship. But yeah, they, they call it like a I can't remember like an assignment. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, something like that. Because he's there, he's assisting the navigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's on the flotsam, which is another which is a an airship that is basically like a sounds like it's more like a cargo airship is all. Um, and it sounds like it's a pretty shitty one at that. So yeah. while they're on this, uh, they're like on a, kind of a failed uh, cargo run is what it sounded like to me. So they're basically just trying to return to port and restock, resupply, whatever, so they can turn around and go again. Um, but as they're on their way back, to paris they uh they come across this storm which supposedly moves around the ocean and it's called uh, the devil's fist which great name by the way yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> which yeah i was super stoked on that name um and they're the captain of the flotsam is apparently like insane and he's Look, like i think he's just stubborn well yeah that's a, that's a better way to put it but he's like, we're going straight through this thing. He's well, like, I, I took that as like he didn't want to lose any more time, so he just sure. wanted to cut right through the storm. Well, yeah, because their only other option is to go around, and he, they say something like they'll lose like a, several days or something like mm -hmm. that of time if they go around it. So, yeah, he's like, we're going to go straight through it. And we get a little bit of a inside look as to what happens to an airship when you go through a raging storm, apparently. So... You get caught in this mad downdraft first, and then after the downdraft lets go of you, you get caught in the updraft of the storm. Um, which okay, <laughs> this is a little, this is a little bit semanticy, but don't you think if the downdraft is pushing your ship down and you release all of your ballast water, then yes, of course you're gonna pop up, right? You're gonna go straight up, but at what point are you able to then release enough hydrium that you're at another at a steady pace? Wouldn't you always either be sinking or floating then at that point? Yeah, the dynamics of an airship don't really make sense. Not, no, especially not when it's like, because it's not like a hot air balloon where you can add or allow, right. you know. Yeah, because I would think once you release all your ballast, uh, you're Dude, screwed. Fuck. You're just How are you gonna going up. Down? Yeah, and then if you're coming back down and say you make a mistake, 
Well, now you're really screwed because you got no more ballast to release. So you're just coming straight down. So yeah, I it's just kind of semantics, but yeah, it was it kind of irritated me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make sense. But, um, like while they're shooting back up, they see another ship. And oh yeah, my it's God, like what's above. It it's like above the freaking storm too. It's way it's higher. Way than, high up in the clouds, like yeah. super, super high up. What's what's what called? The ship that they find. The Hyperion. Oh, I wanted to call it the Aurora, but that's the ship that Matt Cruz was stationed on before. Yeah, the Hyperion. Yeah. So they, all the other like the people on the crew know that the Hyperion is supposed to have like a lot of treasure on it, and so they basically just try and go get it. Yeah, their captain's like, we're going to go and tow the Hyperion in. And the Hyperion has been lost. Uh, it's not lost at sea. It's lost in the air for, like, more than 40 years. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's supposedly it has this, like, rich dude that was on it, and he took a ton of stuff with him, and a ton. And he was super rich. So they're like, all his treasure's on board. So the captain of the Flotsam's like, we're going to tow her back in to make up for this failed, you know, trip. Um, so they start heading for the Hyperion. Well, the Hyperion's floating around like 20,000 feet elevation, which, uh, supposedly at those altitudes, your airship has all kinds of problems, right? So you have low oxygen levels. Uh, it for causes your, um, hydrium bags to swell because the the hydrium expands at low pressures, um, it it wreaks havoc on an airship. So as they start going up and going after this thing, Matt Cruz realizes like the rest of the crew is getting lightheaded. They're getting like goofy with laughter. Uh, they they're not focused, and basically all the crew starts like passing out around him too. Um, it also starts getting so cold he his hands like aren't functioning and stuff like that. So Matt ends up having to be the one to freaking dump a bunch of hydrium and allow them to come back down. Um, but <laughs> we don't get a whole lot more than that because Matt no, like don't. dumps all the hydrium and then we cut like to chapter two and they're back in Paris. So, and he's talking to like his instructor. Yeah. And his instructor, because the, the captain, the flotsam basically booted him off because he got so pissed off that, Matt didn't allow them all to die, which is oh, all he was wasn't following orders. Yeah. Yeah. He was being freaking, yeah. Insubordinate. He was being, uh, insubordinate. That's right. Uh, yeah. By not allowing them all to die, the whole crew is like yeah. passed out around him, except well, for that like one guy Cruz. Does die. What's that? That one guy does die from the ship. Oh, yeah. He does end up, yeah. Oh, and then so he yeah, he talks to his like I don't I want to say commanding officer, but that's not right. He's just like his professor. And he tells him that since they found the Hyperion, like a lot of people are gonna be looking for him and that oh man, I can't remember the guy's name, but his son wants to meet Matt Cruz so he can give him the coordinates to, of the last known position of the Hyperion. I can't remember the guy's name. Grunel. Grunel, yes, the like madman inventor. Yeah. But yeah, Grunel's son wants those last known coordinates so he can go and retrieve the ship, obviously. 
And then he meets Kate for lunch. And she's like exceptionally late because she always is. He like showed up late on purpose and she's like an hour later than that. Yeah, not only not only are they uh having lunch, they're having lunch like in the Eiffel Tower, like in the most expensive restaurant in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um That's right, because everybody wants to kick him out while he's waiting for her because he's kind of wearing shabby clothes. Yeah, and Cruz can't afford anything there, not even like a glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> So he's pretty pissed off that she left him there like that because she knew that would probably happen to him. Yeah, we do get to meet Chef Vlad again, who is great. Right, which is, that was pretty good. I like that little touch there that Chef Vlad is cooking there. And, you know, he hooks crews up. He hooks him up with a bunch of free food and stuff. Yeah, because, yeah, Vlad's from the first book. And pretty much everybody on the Aurora was pretty fond of Cruz. Right. So Kate shows up uh, and she's flying an ornithopter because she somehow got her ornithopter's license. Um, and is this the part where she tells him or well, this is where they talk about the fact that he saw the Hyperion, right? Because she brings it up because she has like a newspaper that says the Hyperion was spotted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But so then Kate's idea is that she wants to go get it because all he's supposed to have like an immense collection of taxidermy and she wants to go look at all the species that he has on display because kate is extremely wealthy so she doesn't need any money or anything like that like her parents are pretty pretty loaded right exactly um so (sighs) they uh they sort of kind of get this weird little plan that, that yeah, they're going to try to go to figure this out. But before they do that, Cruz has to go talk to the uh, Grunel's son and see what, you know, what's going on with that guy. Uh, come to find out, it's not Grunel's son. Well, he meets Nadira slightly before that. Oh, good call. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, before he goes into this building to meet with Grunel's son, this late, this uh, girl tries to stop him outside. Well, the building he's going into is like a, it's a pretty like high end building. So the, the doorman like stops her. Oh yeah. Cause and, she's a gypsy. Yeah. She's a gypsy and it's apparently obvious by her attire. So the doorman yeah, what does stops that mean? her. Like, I have no idea. I don't. Cause I thought this is going to sound probably really dumb and naive. I thought gypsies was like a race of people too. Well, the way they talk about it in this, they are. I, but I know, but is is this just like closed-minded 1920s mindset? Am I being extremely offensive? I, <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, I, is it, is it the same thing? Is like it, I, I is don't it, know because if it, they make it sound like what she's wearing is what determines that she's a gypsy. Right, but in that case, you could just change your clothes and you are well, no longer. That's a what gypsy. I mean. It seems really weird. Right. Well, and she brings it up later, though, right? Because she's like, oh, something about my father wasn't a true. It It wasn't a roamer. Yeah. Which. (laughs) And she's like all disappointed about that. But I was like, what does that even mean? (laughs) I don't know. We don't really get to know a whole lot about Nadira, honestly. Um, yeah. But so anyways, she gets stopped by the by the doorman. But she's like calling matt by his name she's like matt cruz you know and 
she's like, I really need to talk to you. Well, Matt ends up not talking to her because he's been told that the gypsies just freaking steal your money and stuff around town. Yeah. So he, uh, he leave, he goes and he meets with uh, Grunel's son. Well, come to find out it's not Grunel's son. It's the freaking, uh, wrath. His, I, I do like the details though, that Matt notices that his suit doesn't fit him. Right. And yeah. he thinks that's really weird for somebody extremely wealthy to not to have clothes that don't fit. Yeah, for sure. Which that is an amazing detail to catch. Like that's a good way for him to catch on because it is something that he said he noticed because he was on the Aurora mm -hmm. and he was around wealthy people all the time. And he said, one thing about wealthy people, their clothes always fit correctly. Yeah, but you're right. This is a pirate and, but he doesn't know that. So Matt just like, he doesn't want to let them know because he wants to go find, oh my God, the Hyperion. So he just writes down some random coordinates. He's like, there you go. And the guy's like, hmm, well, these coordinates are over the Pacific Ocean, and I thought you were somewhere by Africa. And he's like, uh, uh. And so he just decides to, like, run away from them, right? And he's like, I can't remember how he gets away. I can't fully remember either. All I know is him and Nadira end up jumping rooftops together. Yeah. And then Nadira says the same, basically the same pitch. She's like, I want to find the Hyperion. I have this special key that my father gave me that if anyone else tries to open one of these doors, it'll, the ship, the ship will just explode. So right. you guys have to have this key in order to take me with like to go. And at this point, Matt kind of is like, I don't even know if I want to find the Aurora, not the Aurora, the freaking Hyperion. Sorry. And then, yeah, and then he, like Nadira tells him where to, where he can find her, and he's like, yeah, whatever, I don't even really care. He leaves. And I can't remember what makes him decide that he thinks it's a good idea. I don't remember either, because doesn't he go, after this, though, doesn't he go to talk to Kate, and that's when Hal is at her place? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, he goes to talk to Kate, like, in the evening, and, yeah, she's there with some other suitor. Yeah, and that's what makes him decide to go talk to Nadira because he's going to get back at Kate. Right. Yeah, this whole story is kind of like a jealous. And th that's really the part of it that I don't like very much. Yeah, I Is agree. like this weird love triangle thing that's going on that yeah. they just like kind of sweep under the rug at the end and was like, oh, it didn't mean anything. Exactly. I agree, too. And that one another gripe I have with this book is that the characters are just not as interesting as they were in airborne because like with airborne you have mm -hmm. like that whole i would agree with that whole crew that matt knows like personal personally and they all have so much flavor yeah. and like here you get hal and nadira and hal is pretty bog standard in my opinion see and this is kind of spoilers for towards the end i thought for sure hal was gonna stab him in the back for sure I was like, this character has to be deeper than we've been getting, because so yeah. far he's been like puddle level deep. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and yeah, and it doesn't really even get any deeper than that. No, it doesn't really change much more than that. Um, so after Matt witnesses this, Matt goes back to Nadira, and Nadira says, "Meet me at the whatever bay, launching bay. We're gonna go. Basically, they're gonna go." take a ship it's not like her idea they're gonna like steal a ship which is they're just not insane. gonna steal a ship they're just gonna what do you call that when you like pay for someone oh they're just gonna like hire somebody to take them there that's yeah right. oh, there's like a term for it but i can't think of it 
Well, and it would be they obviously have no money, him. so that's right. Yeah, they're gonna charter a ship because, and the only real reward they have is they say once we find the Hyperion, there's like tons and tons of money on there. Right. They would just give the captain a a, a cut of the salvage. Right. Well, come to find out, they like go there. <clears throat> Basically, what ends up happening is uh, Hal Slater, the guy that Kate was talking to. He owns the ship that Nadira wanted to go charter, anyways. So, right, because I guess I mean we kind of mentioned it, but they needed like a special ship to even be able to get up there. Yeah, and this is something that bothers me. A skybreaker. This is, but they make it seem like there's no ships that would be able to do this. It would be impossible. But then, like we we end up running into like two of them almost immediately. Almost immediately. Plus the fact. Plus the fact that the Hyperion has literally been up there for 40 years just drifting around, so the ship itself is capable of doing it, technically. <laughs> right. Just the crew was not. Right. I, I guess that's the main thing, is like that it's hard on the crew to get up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically what ends up happening then is that uh, they agree that uh, crews can come because... He has the coordinates. Uh, Slater obviously has the ship, and Nadira has the key. And then there's like some bickering back and forth between Nadira and Kate because Nadira's like, "Well, why do you need to come? You don't, you're not have, you know, you don't have anything to contribute to this." Yeah, but why? Why do they agree to let Kate come? Just cause? I guess I'm, I'm not really sure. Because she's not taking a cut, right? She just wants the taxidermy. She doesn't want any of the money they find. Yeah, and basically Slater wants, like, he starts out by saying he wants 90% of whatever they yeah. get. Because he said he'll have, obviously he has to pay for all the stuff. And the idea is they're going to go up there, they're going to grab onto it with his Skybreaker, and they're going to bring it back down, and then they can salvage it. Um, but uh, Cruz talks him into, what, he ends up getting, like, 70% or 80%? I think it's 80 yeah, 80%. So him and, him and Didira both get 10%. Right, which for both of them, since they're both dirt poor, would be tons and tons of money anyways. Mm -hmm. So basically they they all make an agreement. They get on the ship, and before they leave, the freaking pirates find them again, and they chase them, and they shoot guns at them as they're leaving the freaking uh, hangar. And they get out of there, and they get in the sky. And then we have a lot of book where they're just kind of hanging out in the sky. Yeah, which is it, there's so much like <laughs> Kate was talking to Hal and she wouldn't even look at me. She appeared to be having a fantastic time <laughs> with his regaling stories. I left in sadness and went up to the crow's nest. That's like a lot of the book. That's spot on, too. It is. And like I said, I didn't actually realize it until we just started talking about it. But yeah, once they... Because, like, the first part up to when they get on the ship, and then until they find the Hyperion, I was like, there's a lot of filler in here. Yeah, I mean, there's just, like, some... There's a lot of posturing and a lot of stuff. Uh, the only thing that's probably important to mention is that Nadira is really interested in how Matt was able to kill Spearglass. Sure. Who was the pirate from the last book. Which sure. immediately... Uh, spoilers, obviously. Immediately when she was like, I want to know about Spearglass, I was like, oh, shit, he's her daughter! Yeah, I said the same thing, yeah. Like, um, come on, so obvious. Well, it, they, they want you to be surprised, so they reveal it too, and it's like, 
even the characters aren't surprised. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I mean, it wouldn't have been so bad if she wasn't so ham-fisted about being like, no, yeah. I want to hear about spear glass. Like, after she said it like the third time, it's like, okay, obviously she has a connection to spear glass. And the fact that she says she was given something from her dad that she no longer knows, and then she has all the other background stuff about her dad. It's like, yeah, obviously that's who it is. I guess we could mention... Uh, which team... turns out doesn't really matter all that much anyways in the end. So. No, it felt <laughs> kind of pointless. She could have yeah. just been another pirate's daughter, and it would have had the same impact. Unless yeah, she exactly. comes back in the third book or some shit. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. But I guess we could mention the part where they first encounter the Arizoans, which is a terrible name, by the way. Yeah, but doesn't Kate call them that? Isn't didn't she yeah, make that? Yeah, she's up? the one that gets to name them. Yeah, it's okay. terrible. That's right. That is about the only real interesting things that thing that happens between the hangar and when they find the the uh, Hyperion. So like one day they're like, I think they're dancing, right? They're dancing because Hal's playing music and Matt dances with Nadira and he finds that he likes it, and then like something crashes into the ship and they're unable to turn. And so there's something wrong with the rudder and Matt wants to go out there just because he likes to be outside. And they go out there and they think there's like a bunch of cables all caught up in the rudder. And one of the men gets knocked off the ship and falls to his death. And it turns out there's like a, 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 I don't, I, I don't know what to call them. Other than flying jellyfish is basically that what I picture. That's the first thing that came to my mind, too. He keeps saying they look like squids, but I'm like, you are describing a jellyfish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're well, describing like... something that's see-through, and it it looks like when it's floating that it's like, you know, like ballooning in and out to, to propel itself. That's a jellyfish. And like... <laughs> they have electricity. Right, yeah, because when the, one, the first guy dies, uh, Cruz sees that his his goggles get knocked off his face and it electrically arcs in between them. And that's causes him to fall. So yeah, there's this also these other creatures that nobody had ever heard about just floating around in the sky. And they're not even that high up at this point is the thing that really bothers me. Exactly. Like, how does nobody else know? How would, how would nobody know about these things? That's what I'm saying. And at first I was like, I tried to uh, reason it out by saying, well, there's a lot of stories about sea monsters that may or may not be real, right? But like I said, if there's stuff in the sky, you everybody can see in the sky. We can't all see down in the ocean. Mm -hmm. So it'd be hard for there to be something undiscovered in the sky that lived up there. And but because it's supposed to be like nobody's flying up this high. Well, I mean, we come to learn that there are there are a lot of ships that are capable of flying this high, a lot more than they make it seem like. So I don't know. It just it seems odd. Yeah. Just a little too convenient. Right. And not only so not only is there one attached to their rudder, it got like bound up in their rudder. <laughs> They're like going through a damn friggin' flock of them yeah. in the sky. There's like a whole bunch of them. So and this will come up again in a little while after they get on the Hyperion. Uh what else even happens? Uh Nadira teaches Matt math. <sighs> Yeah, because Matt is struggling with like his homework from school because apparently he's he's just like uh, he's very capable of being on a ship, but apparently when it comes to actual like uh, ship smarts, he's not that smart at it. So, well, yeah, I guess he's he's not good at like the math behind it all, right? 
I'm trying to think of anything else that happens. I mean, there's there's a lot of like fucking love triangle bullshit that goes on between Kate and Hal and Nadira and Matt. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like a fourth wheel situation at all times in every room. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, and Matt's like super jealous of Hal because Hal is like only a little bit older than him, supposedly, but he already is like rich beyond Cruz's wildest dreams. And we come to find out later that's not really true. He Which just I was immediately skeptical, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And I, I guess I like I like his crew. Like Dorje is pretty cool. Yeah. So we we should mention his whole crew are uh, Sherpas that live around um, Mount Everest. Uh, Everest, yeah, Mount Everest. So they're all used to super high elevations because that's like where they grow up. So it makes them perfect for running these ships that will, uh, you know, end up going up so high usually. Yeah. Which there probably a lot of salvage to be had in this world, if I had to guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's probably possible, yeah. But I mean, wouldn't you think? Kind of like I said, though, wouldn't you think most ships, though, if their goal was to float, and something happened that caused them to start floating up, they would just never stop floating until they went so high that their gas cells popped, and then they immediately went straight back down to Earth. Yeah, I, it's, the, 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 the dynamics don't really make sense. Because no. especially like later, a ship gets injured but is able to return to altitude. Like that doesn't really make sense without like having to go to refill anything. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. If, if you've vented hydrium, now you should no longer be able to go up. That means you're only unless you still have ballast. Maybe that's why, because they had ballast, so they could release ballast. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't really understand the dynamics of a freaking airship. I guess Same. nobody did because they never really caught on. <laughs> um, so basically, what ends up happening is uh, one of um, Slater's crew is able to take Matt's coordinates and like. Apparently, to the dot plot where the uh, Hyperion would have gone, would have drifted, which sounds pretty much impossible to me, but okay. Um, and Yeah, it would be impossible because they can't even predict the weather very accurately right now. Exactly. But, and when I say he plots it to a T, I mean they are in the area they think the Hyperion should be. While Cruz is on watch in the dark, in the clouds, and the Hyperion literally hits their ship. Yeah, they so, run into it. Yeah, they run into it. So it's like they literally plot it to <laughs> literally a cross point with them and it. Yeah, so they found the Hyperion, that's good. But since their ship got damaged when they hit the Hyperion, they're not going to be able to salvage it and bring it in. So they have to just go and take trips back and forth from the ship right? Like, to get val valuables I put in quotes. Exactly. Which also sounds like a terrible idea because they don't even have like a they don't even have like a hey, let's lower this huge basket down and we'll just fill this basket up. No, no, no. It's like you go down with your backpack, you grab as much shit as you can and you bring it back up to the top and we'll haul it up on a rope. Mm -hmm. Terrible plan. But 
So they hook on to the Hyperion. They get on like on its back. And I found this kind of weird because apparently all airships are also built with perfect cleats on top of them to allow another ship to dock to the top of them for some reason. And the bottom. And, and the, the bottom. sides. <laughs> and they the can dock sides. anywhere, actually. Now that I really yeah, think about it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But yeah, so the... Uh, oh my gosh, what is his ship even called? I can't remember. It's something weird. Uh, it's, stand- it's like Ever- Everest in some other language. What is it called? I cannot think about it right. What what is it called? I don't know. They I'm, say it enough. I should remember. They it. They talk about it all the time. But I just hated Hal, so it's like, shut up, but you stupid ship, dude. <laughs> I don't care. It's fair. Um, I think the main weakness. I've I've already mentioned it, but the main weakness between this and Airborne is this. There's not enough characters. Sure. Yeah, because like after this point. I mean, even while they're on the ship, really, you're only getting uh, Hal, Nadira, Kate, uh, Matt, and uh, some of Miss Simpkins. And his crew talks very rarely, so... Yeah, and they all have the same voice actor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They do. They know, and it made it really hard to actually figure out who he was talking to most of the time. So, yeah, they get on the ship. Oh, I'm trying to remember what happens like right away. Yeah, see, and this is where I thought it was going to get interesting. Me too. Dude, the Hyperion was such a fucking letdown. Even, like, the climax, yeah, I was like, that, that's what happens? Okay. Right. Yeah, because I was like, oh, man. Because he starts even hinting at some stuff. So the first thing they got to do is they got to climb over there. They think got ice all over it. You know, it's been floating around super high all this time. They got to crack the crow's nest open. And how freaking... There's a frozen dead dude in the crow's nest, and the first thing Hal does is take this dude out and just throw him overboard to get him out of their way. And once they're down on the ship, they start hearing like weird noises, sounds like talking, and I was like, oh, it's going to be like a ghost ship. That's so cool. No, that's not what it is at all. I, I'm telling you, it feels like he shoved those Arizoans in in the middle because maybe it was a ghost ship to begin with, and he gave it to somebody else and was like, you can't have ghosts and fantastic animals in this fucking world. You have to pick one. Sure. Because that's what it feels like. Because they kind of set up this weird like intrigue of like, oh, man, maybe there's some haunted spookiness going on. But there isn't. No, they they definitely set that up because at one point they literally hear like the words. It's like crow's nest yeah. like through the ship. It, somebody says that into a microphone it, for the recording of the book. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, where did that come from? Like, Because they're like, oh, it, it must be the wind. Well, that must be actually what it was, which is really lame. Yeah, it's yeah. they try and set up this weird like spookiness, and it just never, nothing happens. Which is pretty disappointing, because it was really spooky when they first get on there. Uh, yes. So they like look around the ship and then they find the door to the engineerium? Yeah, engineerium. Does, so the engineerium leads into the arboretum? Not the arboretum. Is that what it's called? No, that's the prey. dead zoo. I know, dead but zoo. where the Arizoans are, are. Is that all in the same place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Arizoans are in the engineerium. Yeah, there's like a holding tank in the engineerium. 
Well, it's called instead of like being a terrarium, it's a, it's something. It's a vi- vivarium. 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 There you go. Yeah. But yeah, they they use her key to get in, and the key is really weird. It like you have to like turn it a bunch of different ways, and then it the the lock eats it and spits it back out. It's really yeah, weird. which was super weird. But yeah, they go in there. Kate's excited to look at the taxidermy, but so far they've found no treasures of any kind. Right. Yeah, because they also end up going. So right across from the engineering is the dead zoo, which is where he did have all his taxidermy stuff. Um, and this is like what you were talking about, right? There's all these weird animals mm-hmm. that don't actually exist. Like there's actually a Sasquatch or mm-hmm. a, a Yeti, I guess. And yeah. Matt looks at its dick, which is funny. It is funny, and it makes it go red. <laughs> yeah, I did think that was a funny little, funny tidbit they put in there. <laughs> um, so they get in the engineering, and the engineering has all this weird stuff that Grinnell invented, right? All these weird things going on. Um, and there's just one really weird looking thing that looks like a telescope and it's right next to the vivarium where they see some dead frozen Arizona's like floating around in there. Um, and they don't know what that thing is until like right towards the end of the book. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. They, oh yeah, they, okay. So they end up turning this thing on though. Yeah, I mean, that's not until they actually get stuck. Oh, because of the storm. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. That's right. They end up getting, like, buffeted by wind and stuff, so much so that the... uh, What is his ship called? I can't can't remember, dude. (laughs) I can't either. Anyways, Hal's ship has to break away because um, of the wind. It breaks away and has to back away. So now you got Hal... Nadira, Kate, and Matt stuck on the Hyperion with nowhere else to go. So this is where I was like, oh man, here comes all the ghost stuff. Like this is where the weird stuff's going to happen. But none of that ends up happening. No. So yeah, they get stuck and they like are chilling in the engineering to like warm themselves up. And they notice that that one machine has like another key slot like the door had on it. And so they put the key in there and they turn this machine on and like immediately like the room comes to life and like there are a bunch of heaters like all along the floor in this place and they all like were on. Yeah, and that thing starts like spraying freaking water into the vivarium and Matt can also smell uh, hydrium because it's it's presumably producing hydrium. Yeah. Um. So, this this is where I really started to not like this book. Um, turns out the Arizoans, these flying jellyfish, can live forever as long as they're frozen, because once this thing kicks on, it warms them up, and two of them come back to life, fully, mm-hmm. just good to go within seconds. They're good to go. Yeah, um, and they're like immediately on the attack too. Yeah, and they immediately try to either attack the our crew of people, or they attack the one that's dead, and they just start yeah, eating. Yeah, they just eat it. Yeah. So and, now they got this 
they can't hang out in the engineering anymore because there was a hole in the glass too and one of them gets out of there and it's freaking floating around up by the ceiling so they can't go in there anymore so now they're in trouble because they're going to freeze to death um is this when uh wrath shows up yeah it is yeah, so lo and behold, here comes another Skybreaker ship, perfectly capable. Oh, because we forgot to mention they found a tracking device in Matt's bag. Right. But that's actually not how they found them, though. Because they found they find them with that whatever that, that one guy made, a, like a special thing that was like able to ping off their location just because they were close enough. Right. Wasn't that the tracking device or no? No, the track the tracking device they find early on and get rid of it. But that that was enough to get them close enough so they could they could like ping off their location. Oh, okay. This is also where I get really confused with the technology of this world. Yeah, some of it really is like sense. no, because some of it is like super highly advanced, and some of it is still like they yell into speaking tubes to mm-hmm. communicate. So I don't really fully understand like the technology of this world. Yeah, I can't remember what his freaking ship is called, but they they shoot like their ship that dropped them off down. Yeah, they yeah, the pirates show up and they attack it. They uh, then they board the Hyperion. So now we got pirates on board. No ghost pirates, unfortunately. Or is it pirate ghosts? I think it's um, pirate ghosts. <laughs> um so yeah, though we find out that basically what happened is this this one freaking oil baron guy wants to destroy this invention of Grunel's because it's a uh, it's basically like a free energy device. It takes sunlight and uh, what water? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes electricity. It makes electricity and hydrium at the same time. It's yeah. a miracle. Uh, which are like the Arizoans are doing, I guess. Yeah. So the way this thing's set up is Grunel was seeing what the Arizoans do and he was basically mimicking it through this device that he created. Well, this oil baron guy wants to destroy this thing because obviously that way it won't ruin his, uh, his business basically. So that's, that's what Grunel was doing was like, that's why he took all his stuff and flew away. It was so he could finish this machine in secret because he knew that they were trying to stop him from making it. Right. Which means before he went up in the air, he knew about the Arizoans, right? Correct. That's the only thing that makes sense yeah, because which, the ship but that, that doesn't is... make any sense. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> because the <laughs> only reason he saw them was because they went high enough up in the air. And uh-huh. I thought his airship was the first airship of like of its kind. So how the hell did he know about them before the airship was even made? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like uh, it's a lot of plot holes here coming up. I didn't even think about that until <laughs> just now. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. Because I didn't really think about that either. But yeah, why else would he have this vivarium to hold these creatures in? And his device is set up right next to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of, like, sneaking around the ship, around the pirates. More filler. Well, a lot a lot more filler. It <laughs> seems like it's going to be action-packed, but they don't really run into the pirates at all. Right. Uh, and then they, they end up capturing Kate somehow. I can't remember. Him, him and her and Matt, like, 
were hiding in a coffin and then she didn't he got away but she didn't and the pirates over like the pa system in the ship are like if you don't come here in 10 minutes because oh yeah i forgot to mention they have the plans for that machine like that's what they're they're planning on selling was the plans for that machine so that they could make money off of this trip because they haven't found anything worth any value yeah they found like nothing of value so far at least to them on the whole uh hyperion yeah so yeah, we have uh they, you know, pull some fast moves and they like bait the Arizoans into attacking the pirates and the pirates immediately shoot it and kill it. Um well they they wound it cuz it like oh, crawls on the ground. Oh okay, yeah, they they wound the one, but then Matt lets the other one out, right? Mm-hmm. The other one freaking jacks the pirates up and then uh the pirates end up leaving right because they know they can't stay there like the whole time and so they go back to their ship and they're like whatever we'll just we'll sink the whole thing we'll just freaking destroy the whole hyperion and that'll get rid of everything it'll handle everything um so we should mention too that they found some oh what do they call ornithopters in like a bay on this ship also oh yeah but they're like of a special design that grunel had invented himself because ornithopters weren't invented to like 20 years after his disappearance right yeah which doesn't make a whole lot of sense man's a genius it's called the sagramata by the way oh yeah the the sagramata Yeah, they call it the Saga. That's that's a HAL ship for anyone wondering like what the hell we're talking about. Um, but yeah, so don't the what the freaking the pirates take off and yeah, they it, shoot, they start to scuttle the freaking Hyperion. They start just blasting it with cannon fire. Mm-hmm. So uh, Matt and Nadira, and, which Nadira is doing terrible, by the way, we should mention she she's not handling the altitude very well. Basically, Cruz is the only one handling the altitude like perfectly fine. He's like good to go. Yeah, it's even messing with Hal, and Hal is like trying to be like a big macho man and never wear any oxygen. Right. Which ends up kind of fucking him up. Yeah. Um. So basically, their only plan is they're gonna get to the ornithopter because they're like, Kate can fly this thing. Well, sorta, maybe. We don't know. Nobody's flown one of these things. Um. So they all get to the ornithopter, except for Matt, because the f- you have to crank start this thing, right? Yeah, like like one of those old timey cars, like I imagine, right? Like you see in those movies. Kind of, except remember, she says it's more like a wind up clock. Yeah, like so you just have to turn it. Yeah, but it's not like because he's trying to start it like a car, so he's trying to like crank it really hard, and she's like, no, like slow cranks to wind it up, which I did think was cool. Um. Anyways, apparently you can't control this thing once it's wound up. It's like one of those little toys you wind up and you let it go and its feet just like start hopping all over mm-hmm. the place. Because it just starts like flapping its wings and it ends up bouncing out of the hangar without Matt. And Matt is left inside by himself. Yeah, um, and so he grabs... Uh, he, Purnell had made a wingsuit like yeah. out of actual like bird feathers though, not like a squirrel suit you would see today. Right. <laughs> and he just jumps out of the fucking Hyperion. 
Yeah. Well, he doesn't really have much choice. So. Well, I I missed the thirty seconds of it being like, and I grabbed the wingsuit, and then I'm falling, and I was like, wait a minute, what's fucking happening? And I listen <laughs> to it again, and I'm like, that still doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh no, that's just what he did. He puts the wingsuit on, which, you know, probably needed a little bit of instructions on how to put it on, but he just he gets into it and he just jumps. That's that's his only hope. Yeah, which it felt like another weird like shoehorning him like, oh, well, Matt has to fly in this book. Yeah, because that's Matt's big thing. You know, he's lighter than air. Yeah, which made way more sense. It made way more sense in the first book, though, than this one. Well, I do like the touch that he can handle the altitude because he was born at altitude. I agree. But this falling part. Yeah. I didn't like it. it. It seemed like he came to the end of the book and was like, and they got in the ornithopter and got away. And he was like, shit, I didn't have Matt fly in yeah. this one. Shit, Matt has to, Matt has to fly. It was so well done in the first one too. Yeah. When oh, friggin' yeah. Spearglass just shoves him and he's like, and next thing I knew I was flying. Cause he's just in open air. And I was like, Oh, oh shit. But in this one, I was like, man, come on. He actually has wings now too. Like, <laughs> So he's able to get back into the ornithopter with Kate, which they have to pedal, and they're all really tired. Right. And she magically is able to land this thing, even though she's str- like, I, it bothered me that like the only other time we saw her fly was in Paris, and she had she a almost... hard time landing that. Then, how is right. she all of a sudden a god pilot? Well, doesn't the the saga picks him up, right? Mm-hmm. It gets a hold of him, yeah, it puts him back in there, and they get back on the saga. Yeah, and basically they uh. Once they're on the saga, um, Hal's like, nice, you got the blueprints, right? And freaking uh, Matt's like, no, I gave them to you. And Hal's like, yeah, and then I put them in my rucksack, which I gave to you. And then Cruz is like, oh, yeah, no, I totally forgot that thing. Yeah, to be fair, there was a lot of excitement going on. Right. Yeah, so they're all bummed out. Basically, Hal is like a he becomes like a drunk, belligerent piece of shit because we find out that like he's in debt so much that like if he didn't come back with like an exorbitant amount of money, the bank was just gonna take his ship away from him. Right, because his ship, yeah, he basically like leases his ship. It's not really yeah, it's his. Not really his, yeah. Right. Um. So Matt finds out he actually really loves Kate more than Nadira, kinda. Yeah, which was so weird to me that he was like, I'm done with Kate. And then Kate was just like, I was trying to make you jealous. And he's like, oh, okay. It's like, what? That's fucking psychopath behavior, dude. Right? Yeah, don't you think at that point? Yeah, Matt, poor Matt, man. He just has such a hard on for her that he's like, okay, I immediately forgive you. But it's yeah, like, wait a that's, minute. That's what I mean. It was like all of that, like fucking six hours of this book. You just throw in the toilet and blow it up. And like, it didn't even happen. It's like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, because like you said, that's some serious like psychopath freaking. Yeah. She was like, the whole time she wouldn't even let up at all. She was just trying to make him jealous the whole time, which is so bizarre. Yeah, Kate's Kate's trouble. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he meets her in her new ornithopter, and she's like, ah, "I want to buy this thing. This thing's fantastic." And he like gets to get upright, and he like slips and notices a little hatch. And he opens it, and it's full of gold bars. Yeah, so we should mention two things that we forgot. One, while Matt was, like, running from the pirates, he did find there was a bunch of gold on the Hyperion. Like a but it was, shitload. like, in a hidden walkway thing. 
Right. It was like in a hidden area. And he says he mentions it looks like somebody had started helping themselves to it, which I thought Hal had found it. I thought the same thing um, Two, uh Grunel had like a, a right hand man on the Hyperion. <laughs> they call him his manservant. That's right. His manservant. Yeah, that's exactly what they call him. Um, and that guy was nowhere to be found among all the other dead crew members that they found. Well, he was inside the, uh, the ornithopter that they took and they, they threw him out. And so Matt came to the conclusion that that guy was trying to escape the pirates, which is what caused the Hyperion to go into a storm, which is what caused it to go in the air to get frozen. And that's where all the gold in the ornithopter came from. Yeah, and they, like, happen to find just enough so that Matt and Adira will get, like, enough to have, a, like, a decent amount of money, and Hal will have enough to pay off his debts. Yeah, it's something crazy, like, 32 bars, so mm -hmm. they'll each get, like, two, and Hal will get, like, 28 bars or something like mm -hmm. that, so, yeah. Nice little, uh, you know, happy, happy ending there, happily ever after for everyone. Yeah, which to me was like, oh, man, all of this was for nothing. And they're like, mm, just kidding. It's like, right. really, though? Come on. I, know. I I almost I, it was almost going to make me happy that they um, <laughs> that they didn't get anything from it. Like, I was like, dang, that's some pretty dark shit. But again, this is probably aimed at a younger crowd. So couldn't have to end it on a high note. Yeah, I, I guess. So, yeah, that's pretty much Skybreaker. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think overall a good book. I think overall actually a pretty good, like, story. But like I said, I think it would have been so much more interesting if they had found the Hyperion and it turns out it's like a ghost ship or some sort of situation. Like, I, I don't know. That's what I was looking forward to because they find all these dead, frozen bodies. And I was like, oh, man, what if, like, you know, some of the things still function. Like when Matt sees the freaking rudder, like the captain uh, turns the, the helm and he's like, oh, he thinks he's alive. But then he realizes it's the wind forcing the rudder over, turning the wheel inside. But I was like, wouldn't that be more interesting if some like it was ghost pirated? Maybe I'm telling you, it probably was. And then somebody was like, no, you have to use fantastic animals that's how you structured this already i yeah i actually i was 100 percent expecting cloud cats to show up again me too i mean if i'm being honest they're not even wouldn't... mentioned no and i if i'm gonna be honest that i thought for sure that's what was gonna happen and i was gonna be very disappointed if it did so i'm glad it didn't happen yeah but the arizona's are much worse <laughs> I agree. At least the cloud cats are cool. They're not flying jellyfish, so. Yeah, what a terrible name. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we won't beat this dead Arizona anymore. Um, yeah, that's Skybreaker. So, like we said, that's the second book in the Matt Cruz series by Kenneth Oppel. So, uh, it's the first one, or sorry, it's the second book in our March sequels kind of month that we're doing here so uh the next book i believe we will be doing is such wicked intent 
which is also by Kenneth Oppel, and that is the follow-up to uh, This Dark Endeavor. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I had an idea, but I don't want to talk about it on air. <laughs> okay. We'll wait till we get back in the green room. Um, or whatever the fuck that means. Literally don't move out of this chair. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so look forward to that. Uh, look forward to probably some more Anime Squires here in the next couple of days. We will be continuing our Samurai Shampoo series. And yeah, if anybody has anything that they want to say to us at all, please feel free to email us. kotpl.pod at gmail.com is the easiest way to get a hold of us. We really appreciate anyone and everyone who's listening. And the only thing we would ask anybody to do is just, uh, yeah, subscribe or like or five stars or whatever it happens to be that you're listening to. If you like it, great. If you don't, thumbs down and whatever, because I guess attention is better than no attention. True. But yeah, so thank you, everyone. We really appreciate it. And we hope to catch you in the next one.